I wanted to bring something of the Easter story in kind of a fresh angle, and I went on good old YouTube and uh, came across a cop called Stone, and uh, he's going to describe who moved the stone. So it's stone on stone. I hope you enjoy it. If you don't, then blame me. My name is Stone, Moses Stone. I'm a cop. I was in my Jerusalem office one morning when the door went. Mr. Stone? Rock on. Moses Stone? Uh Uh-huh. Do we blame you for the Ten Commandments? That was Charlton Heston. Right. Look, I've been sent here by Mr. Big. You mean... That's right, the governator, pilot. This is a highly confidential mission. You've heard of the Jesus incident. You mean the killing of the King of the Jews on Friday? That's the one. The Sanhedrin boys got it past pilots, and then the Romans did their usual efficient crucifixion job and eliminated him. Crucifixion, good and dead. So what's the issue? There's been a slight problem. The body's gone. Gone? How come? When? After the crucifixion, the body was collected and put in a tomb. Standard tomb, big stone cover, took lots of guys to open or close. Known people, no dramas there. So what's the problem? Have a look at this surveillance tab we got inside the Roman Legion's HQ. This Jesus guy is a pain. What do you want? We know his mates are going to steal the body. For what? And who cares? Jesus said he'd rise again from the dead. Give me a break. You saw the body. Dead is dead. Look, just do it. Do what? Put a guard and a seal on the tomb. Look, I'm understaffed in this hellhole as it is. Do it or Pilate will see you, the blonde and the chariot footage. When do you want the guard? I know. Yesterday. That was on Friday night, Stone. All done. Guards posted, seal on the stone. Problem is, this morning, three days later, tomb open, body gone, soldiers nowhere to be seen. You want me to find the body? As soon as. I'm your man. Uh, Look for a missing body. Where to start? I had some favours I could call in at Legion HQ. That was my first stop. Stone, who turned you up? Give me the rundown on the Jesus affair. You want the official or the unofficial version? Both at once. Officially, the guard unit stuffed up. Jesus' mates overpowered them and stole the body. That whole guard has been transferred out of here to Masada. Now it's very hush-hush. Unofficially? Strictly off the record. You know how weird all this Jewish religion is? The guards reckon they saw spirit beings. The stone seemed to move by itself and this Jesus guy comes out. Those guards have gone really psycho, walking around like zombies, scared out of their brains. Give me a break. Let's deal with the real. There's something very strange here. Be careful, Stone. Those guards were professional men. Something really got to them. What next? Maybe these followers of Jesus. Hard to find. But then my friends in city surveillance came up with the goods. They were in hiding in a pretty sorry part of the city. I waited, and as soon as the women went to market... Ladies, my my name's Stone. Moses Stone. So what are you selling? I'm a cop covering the Jesus body incident. The Jesus incident? Yeah, the death and the stolen body who opened the tomb, who moved the stone. How did you find out about the stone being rolled away? So you know? We were there, saw it. Peter and John saw the angel. Just a minute, ladies, I'm a cop. I've seen it all, but angels? Pull the other one. It's true, and there was no body, just the body wraps left behind. So who moved the stone? God sent an angel who moved the stone. What, eh? 
God moved the stone and Jesus, who was dead, rose and left the tomb and now is alive. Oh, come on. He was just unconscious all this time, got better, walked out. I'll bet he was unconscious. Get real, Stone. Daddy's dead, we saw it. Spear in the side, blood all over. He was dead, but God raised him. Are you two on magic mushrooms? I'm telling you what I saw. What they saw? Can you believe it? I've got to get better information than these two, Sheilas. But where? Tune in for the next episode of The Resurrection Caper or Who Moved the Stone? Coming to a YouTube near you. Question is, do you want to see part two? Yeah, Yeah, I'm glad he said that because he's going to see it anyway. (laughs) (laughs) This is Jerusalem City. I work here. My name is Moses Stone and I'm a cop. After the interview with the Jesus woman, Mr. Big... Pilot, the Roman governor, called me in and said, Who moved the stone? Stone? I'm always moved by any request from you, Pilot. Which stone? The Jesus stone. Stone, and don't feed me any of that mystery God stuff you Jews are always on about. Find me the stone mover and the Jesus body. Getting a hurry up from Pilot was not a good thing. There was something really screwy here, so I decided to track Jesus' followers. Two in particular. I found them and eavesdropped on their conversation in a coffee shop. I'm exhausted. That Rombrek from Emus really took it out of me, but I was blown away. What really blew me away was the way he did it. We did not know it was him, but he walked with us, talked with us, came to have a little bite with us, and... Ta-da! Ta-da! We, we knew, knew it, it was, was him. him. Absolutely amazing. He said he would rise from the dead. He did, and it was definitely him. It was the Tada that did it. Tada? <laughs> Has Cole Stein's supermarket got anything to do with this? Maybe I'll have to check with their front man, Curtis Stone. He's a distant relative. And funny, when we got back to Jerusalem to tell the others, they had the same... Ta-da! Experience! (laughs) Curiouser and curiouser, they actually believe this Jesus is alive. But how did he get out? The next thing was to listen in on Jesus' followers in their upper room meeting place. They'd locked themselves in. But that doesn't stop Moses Stone. I'm really, really scared. Me too. I don't mind admitting it. The rumour is that we stole the body. This could be big trouble for us. Too right. You reckon it was really him? Or are we suffering from sort of uh, mind stress? Look, my head is somewhere else. I just want to get out of here, so I'm going to go fishing. Anyone coming? Holy Pete, what? 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 What's happening? Ta-da! It's me! (laughs) How did you get through a locked door? This ta-da business is really scary. It is me, risen from the dead, so ta-da! Is it really you? We're not having collective mind freak. Touch me. Got a drink? Preaching to the souls of the dead is thirsty work. You do that. And lots besides. It's part of the ta-da, I'm risen stuff. What's going on in there? Ta-da, indeed. Pity I can't see. But there's something going on in there. The stone's rolled away, and who is this guy they're talking to? I decided to go to the Galilee beach to see if they did go fishing. It was early in the morning. There was only one guy on the beach and he had a barbie going. I could see the others fishing about, oh, about about 200 metres. Morning. Great morning. Made it myself. Yeah, right. Whatever. Barbie smells good. Got some mates coming to breakfast. They're out in the boat. Have you caught anything? You've, You've got, got to be joking. joking. Throw your net on the other side. Typical Galileans, hopeless fishermen. I'll be drifting along. As you go, watch out for the ta-da's. You too? Is everybody nuts? Ta-da! So I moved up the beach, 
and hid myself in some bushes. One of the blokes in the boat shouted, Ta-da! It's him! Jesus! As I looked, they had a big catch. One of them leapt from the boat and ran ashore to see the guy with the barbie. He said, Ta-da! It's you! They gathered round. Had I been talking to this risen Jesus, he'd said, Ta-da! to me. I had to get back to him. I ran down the beach. Where is he? You mean Jesus? Ta-da! He's gone. But tell you what, ta-da! He's risen. Risen? Stone rolled away? Angel of God? What was I going to tell Mr. Big? I'd have to do more investigation. But I tell you what, every time I hear Cole Stone Supermarket or my rello Curtis Stone say, ta-da! I think, Jesus is risen. Can't get it out of my mind. The only problem is, how do I follow that? (laughs) 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 Ta-da! This is the most exciting day in the Christian calendar, isn't it? The day that we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. But why is it so brilliant? It's so brilliant because every single one of us in this room can know the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? You know, Christians are the ones who can really sing the line of that song, I've got the power. I've got the power. Well, what a difference it makes to have the resurrection power of God in your life. I brought a visual aid along with me this morning, uh, brought my drill. And uh, this drill at the minute doesn't have the power. And I can press the trigger as many times as I like. Nothing is going to happen because it doesn't have the power. It was created for the power. The only way it works as it was meant to work is with the power, but the minute it has no power. Fortunately, I have the power. There we go. Boys' toys, eh? I do use it usefully, promise. It's not just for show. You know, God has designed you And he has designed me to know the resurrection power. And unless we have the resurrection power, we cannot live life as God intended. We're going to look at a few people who've experienced the resurrection power. There was a man called Peter. He lived in the first century AD. And he he wrote a letter to Christians who had fled their homes in Jerusalem to escape the persecution under the Roman Emperor Nero. There's nothing new under the sun, is there? It's the same in Syria right now and Iraq. Christians are fleeing to get away from the persecution of IS. I'm going to read a small part of that letter. This letter was written about 30 years after Jesus died and rose again. Writing to these Christians who've scattered, and this is what he says. What a God we have, and how fortunate we are to have him, this father of our master Jesus. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life. 
and have everything to live for, including a future in heaven. The future starts now. God is keeping careful watch over us and the future. The day is coming when you will have it all, life healed and whole. I know how great this makes you feel, even though you have to put up with every kind of aggravation in the meantime. Pure gold put in the fire comes out of it proved pure. Genuine faith put through this suffering comes out proved genuine. When Jesus wraps this all up, it's your faith, not your gold, that God will have on display as evidence of his victory. Wow. What a letter, eh? There's a little phrase that I absolutely love. I love the whole letter, but because Jesus was raised from the dead, you've been given a brand new life and everything to live for, including a future in heaven. There are many people in our nation who have everything to live with, but nothing to live for. Just because you've got everything to live with will not make you satisfied, will not bring you real life. It's what we need is something to live for. In God with everything to live for. Now, you, you might be sat there thinking, I don't know about this resurrection stuff. It just seems unbelievable. If that's you, then you're in good company. Because most of us began from that starting point. Most of us began our journey from the point of unbelief. And, and when you think about it, the Romans and the Jewish leaders had, had what appeared to be the easiest cover-up job in history. When they heard that Jesus, the King of the Jews, whom they had crucified, was risen from the dead, it was a straightforward cover-up job. Simple. Just let reasoning explain it away. You see, the law of nature says that dead bodies stay dead, doesn't it? That's the law of nature. Dead things don't suddenly jump up and become alive again. Not after they've been in a tomb for three days. So we just say the disciples stole the body. Simple. No one was expecting a resurrection. They were all unbelievers. Every single person was an unbeliever. His family were unbelievers. His followers were unbelievers. It was the easiest cover-up job on the planet, unless... It was true. If it was true, it was impossible to cover the resurrection of Jesus Christ up. The disciples knew they hadn't stolen the body. His family knew they hadn't stolen the body. His mother said this, they've taken him away and I don't know where they have laid him. Thomas, one of his closest friends, said, unless I see him in front of me, unless I can put my finger in the wounds of his hands where the nails were, unless I can put my hand in his side where the spear had gone in, I will not believe. Thomas was a full-blown skeptic. The rest of them were unbelievers. He was a full-blown skeptic. But... He changed from un.
belief to belief with the ta-da! <laughs> when he experienced Jesus Christ risen from the dead, Thomas got the power. You know, there have been many, many skeptics down through the centuries. You know, they tried to cover this up 2,000 years ago. <laughs> and we're singing about it this morning. There was a guy who said, I'm going to nail this. He was called Frank Morrison. He said, I'm going to nail this myth about the resurrection. So he, he set out to write a book to prove that the resurrection did not happen. As he looked at the evidence, he ended up writing a book as to why the resurrection happened. And he became a Christian. You can borrow that book at the end of the service. Just ask me for it. A former Lord Chief Justice in England, a guy called Lord Darling, speaking about the evidence of the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, wrote this. In its favour, as living truth, there exists such overwhelming evidence, positive and negative, factual and circumstantial, that no intelligent jury in the world could fail to bring in a verdict that the resurrection story is true. Has Jesus Christ risen from the dead? I believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. Why? Because I've got the power. <laughs> I've had the ta-da. Was it natural? Absolutely not. No, it was super natural. God's awesome power defies the laws of nature. You know, as we live in this natural world, uh, that gives to you and I a problem, doesn't it? Because our brains, our minds, our intellect, our capacity is natural, not supernatural. Therefore, we cannot get our heads around a resurrection of Jesus Christ, and we never will. So if you are there waiting for intellectual understanding, you will wait the entire life and you will die an unbeliever. Jesus said, flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. Accepting the spiritual, accepting the supernatural requires faith because it's outside of the natural. The only way to access the ta-da is faith. There is no other way. The old Scottish lady said, it's better felt than telt. It's better felt than telt. I cannot explain it to you. Let me tell you the story of Nigel. Nigel, middle-aged, successful Cornishman, proud of it, part of the yachting fraternity. He'd done very well for himself. His son, a friend of mine, rang me up, said, Dad is in hospital, he's got cancer. Will you visit him? So, of course, I visited him. And I shared with Nigel about the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. I shared with Nigel 
what Peter wrote about. And I also shared more of what Peter wrote in that letter. Because Peter went on to say this, speaking about Jesus Christ, he said, he never sinned, nor ever deceived anyone. He didn't retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross. So that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. Once you were like sheep who wandered away. But now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your soul. I shared with Nigel how that God had died in his place. That God had taken away his sin. All the things that he had thought and said and done that were wrong. That he could have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That he could know the power of the resurrection of God in his life. You see, every single one of us has said and thought and done things that are wrong. You know, we, we like to justify ourselves. We, we like to explain it away and we excuse what we've done. But deep, deep within us, there is a still, small voice. That if we listen to it, clearly tells us that we have messed up, that we have got it wrong. The irony is we tend to judge other people by a higher standard than we judge ourselves. We say, if they had walked in my shoes, then they wouldn't feel what I feel. If they'd experienced the abuse that I've experienced, if they'd gone through the pain that I'd experienced, then they would know why I do the things I do. The amazing thing is that Jesus died on the cross not just for the sins that we've committed but the shame that others have put on us to set us free from all of that. I explained to Nigel how he could receive forgiveness through faith by a simple prayer. Nigel didn't want to know. The atmosphere went very cold. And I realized that I was actually offending him. I thought, it's time to shut up. I said, before I go, Nigel, can I pray for you? He said, no, you can't. And I left the hospital. Sad. A few weeks later, I got a phone call from Luke, Nigel's son. He said, the cancer has gone to dad's brain. Would you visit him? I'll tell you, I prayed on the way there. <laughs> I prayed, Lord, what am I going to say to this man? What do you want me to say? He didn't want to know. What do you want me to say? And I felt God just simply say to me, personalize John 3, 16. 
So I sat down beside his bed and I said, I believe that God wants me to share this with you. And I said to him, for God so loved Nigel that he sent his one and only son into the world. That if Nigel believes in him, Nigel will not perish, but Nigel will have eternal I said, Nigel, would you like that? He said, yes. I said, would you pray a prayer after me? He said, yes. This guy could hardly speak. And I prayed a prayer, a simple prayer, just asking that God would forgive him for the things he'd done wrong and that God would come into his life, that he would turn and follow God. It took him quite a while to say it. I prayed for him and left. The GP who'd known Nigel for years came to visit him. And he said Nigel was different. He said Nigel was so peaceful. Let me tell you, if you're dying of cancer, you can't fake that. You, know, you, you can't fake peace when you're dying of cancer. I don't care how much you try and explain that away, I will never believe anything other than the resurrection power of God had come into Nigel, and he was now alive, spiritually alive. And what we read in, in uh, 1 Peter was totally true for him. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, Nigel had been given a brand new life. Including a future in heaven. It was amazing to be able to speak at his funeral and to read the words of Jesus, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Awesome. See, physically we're all going to die, aren't we? The death rate in Britain is 100%. It always has been. But it's not going to change for you. Or for me. But we are more than just a physical body. You know, we live in a society where death is a taboo subject. Where death is hidden away. And many people have not seen a dead body. I've seen the dead bodies of a number of people that I love dearly. Their bodies were still present, but they were absent. See, the body's just the vehicle. It's the house. It just is the container for the real you and for the real me. We're more than just a bunch of chemicals. We have a spirit which needs the resurrection power of Jesus Christ to connect with it and bring it to life. Eternal life. The moment we do that, eternal life starts right here and right now. You don't have to wait for it. Jesus has given me eternal life. I've already got it. If you're a believer, you've already got it. Nigel believed in the nick of time. 
just in the nick of time. I believe 40 years ago, age 14, I came to that point where I not only believed that the resurrection was true, but I trusted my life to the risen Lord Jesus Christ. There is a difference. I realized that I could be born spiritually, that I could become a child of God, not through anything I had done. I realized that my own effort would never, ever bring my spirit to life. That only God could do that. And I received his resurrection life. There's a great example of trust, and this is where I close. Example is of a tightrope expert called Blondie. Many of you will have heard of him. He set up a tightrope across Niagara Falls. And then he walked across it. And the crowds on both sides cheered. And he walked back and they cheered. And he got a wheelbarrow. And he took it across and they all cheered. And then he said to a man, do you believe I could take a man in this wheelbarrow across Niagara Falls? And the man said, yes, I believe you could. And he said, step in the barrow. The man vanished in the crowd. (laughs) But a lady got in. And he wheeled her across Niagara Falls. She trusted Blondie. She didn't trust that he could do it for somebody else. She trusted that he, he could do it for her. The whole point of the resurrection story is you can have the power. You can have an encounter with Jesus Christ, but you'll only have it through faith. There is no other way, no other door. We need to believe and get in the wheelbarrow, the wheelbarrow of Jesus Christ's death, because his death is so important, because on the cross he died in our place. He took our sin. We need to get in the wheelbarrow of his resurrection because that's where the power comes from. One day, this old body will have a new resurrection body like Jesus's. Looking forward to that. Not just yet. I want a little bit of time. But <laughs> You can have a resurrection body like Jesus's too. But you must come through faith. Through faith alone. In Christ alone. That is the way. Jesus said, I am the way. The truth. And the life. No one comes to the Father except through me.